I'm Jason Bailey-Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting, conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Today's guest is Jibide Khalil Huffman. Khalil's been a friend since I moved to Los Angeles, and he's been a confidant when I found issues within my own work that I needed to address. In this episode, we speak about racism in the art world. And I am not anything close to an expert on this because I'm a white male artist, but I am aware. And I think that is maybe a starting place. Khalil and I talk about changing and challenging the, the norms of this and what becomes normal and what, what those starting points are for conversation, creating opportunity for people of color within the art world. And in the episode, you hear me bring up how difficult it is for me to have this conversation. But something that Khalil says in response to that I take to heart. He said, if it's difficult for you to talk about, then imagine what it's like for me to be living it every day. It's real, and I think it's important to at least acknowledge we need to have a a conversation, and there needs to be a starting place for this conversation within our own community. So, here's Khalil. Khalil, welcome to the show, dude. Hi. <laughs> uh, happy to be here. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah. It's been a little while. What, we booked this out like a month ago or something, right? Right. To sort of plan for when you're in L.A. You were living in L.A. for a good amount of time. Yeah, four years? Four years? Yeah, you went yeah. to grad school here, right? USC? I did, yeah. I moved here right when I turned 30 for grad school. Uh, I only applied to one place. I sort of are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I only I was like I can't because I already did an MFA. I know this is your second grad school. This is my second MFA, (laughs) and I was like I can't have any loans, any more loans. And so at the time, uh, oh USC was was free. Exactly. This is before Dean Mule, and I have no scruples about calling her out on this podcast. uh, Destroyed that program, Uh, so it was free, and it was this amazing time to be there still. I haven't uh-huh. talked to anybody on the show yet about that, about USC. Right. <laughs> One of the first ways I was introduced into Los Angeles was coming out to visit friends who were in that program. Right. Visited during some of their lectures and it, like during the, the graduate uh, installations. And it was just, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew I wanted to come to LA and it was like UCLA is always a thing, you know. Uh, but a lot of people were talking about, you know, this is like, 2010, 2011. Um, you graduated from USC in 13. Uh, 2013, yeah. 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 So so let's talk, okay, I guess that's a good place to lead into where you're from. You were born in Detroit. Indeed. Where'd you grow up? I, yeah, so I was born in Detroit, but uh, my mom and I moved to Florida when I was 10. So I really feel like I'm more, I really at this point feel like I'm from nowhere. Because uh, I've just lived... You bounce in, around a bunch. Yeah, the Midwest and then the South. But Florida's not really the South. It's like this weird sort of other space. It, um, isn't it, though? That place, that is a yeah, weird-ass state. I love it now, though. Do um, you? I hated it in high school, but... Um, Where, whereabouts in Florida? Clearwater, Florida. Where is that? Uh, which is it's like 40 minutes from... Ta- half an hour from Tampa. Uh, How Saint big Pete. is it? I should know that. Yeah, I don't know. Like 100... So it's still... It's good size. Yeah, yeah it's a decent size. But, it's a good you know, size. Tampa's like... 
Florida is one of those states people. I'm always super surprised how many trailers there are while you're driving through like rural communities and the poverty level in some of those areas. It's it's rough in places. And it's funny because the further north you go, the more, you know, southern it becomes. It's really, really know? southern. So like, you know, from Miami to Ocala or some, you know, super hick town in the north, it's, it's just so I, different. I grew up every way in which we drove across the country or, or I saw the country was through driving. A lot of it was through, like, my dad would take me to motorcycle rallies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So I'd be in the sidecar and we'd go camp, but we drove all over the country for a really long time. So all the communities and stuff, and thus being motorcycles at this age in the 80s and everything, too, it was a rougher crowd. So mm-hmm. we'd see these communities that are sort of outliers or not necessarily um, the mon- metropolis. Right. And I, I'm struck by, even when I go into states today, if you get out of sort of the the places with population density like in uh, north carolina the triangle mm-hmm. raleigh durham right y- you know the level of not it's not always poverty but just how rural those places are mm. and how much they strike me me being from iowa and like a really small town it strikes me like almost like home sure but, but also very conservative and you can see why things sort of turn the way they do during elections or mm-hmm. It's just, it's a little, it's intense. Yeah. I mean, it's funny for me going to places like Iowa that are, or Vermont that are, I hate to use the word, but like kind of hick small towns, but where people are liberal. It's its like. My parents are liberal in like a small town. Yeah. Like no, a tiny little town. Totally. But it's a, it's a certain type <clears throat> of liberal too, I will tell right. you. It is a, it is a conservative liberal. So. Absolutely. They, I, I am, I am not that way. Right. I am, I consider myself, um more of a, a moderate though i'm not like mm. far far left i guess th- i that would be probably wrong i'm not I, <laughs> my parents would probably say something completely different because i'm always on their asses right right but right. i would say no, i am not an extremist i'm you know i'm not i'm not so far to the left that i can't see what the other side is sure saying sure. and having I, I, I like the idea of this sort of compromise but a lot of people in those rural areas are not you know what it is, though? If you're not around it and you don't see it, mm-hmm. then how are you supposed to be aware of it type thing? Right. So, right. you know, growing up, we had, um, I've said this before on the show, too, I think, but I only had, I had uh, one, uh, there was a black girl in my grade, and that was the only black kid in school, like, the entire time I was there until, like, this one kid came, Gary, um, and he was only there, like, for two years and, like, left. But that's it. So you're like... Yeah, I do not know anything like up to a certain point of like what that experience is to have a friend who is uh, a person of color and have a conversation about that in any way, shape or form. That's I mean, I was just thinking that's like the that's like the art world now. You know, it is like yeah. the art world. We we, we right. had a very before we started before we started the show, you and I had a, actually a fairly long conversation. About right. It. it was it was nice, but it was also to sort of flush out some of these ideas we were, we were going to talk about on the show and whether or, or not. what I was not going to talk about. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think, yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> for those listening, you are a black man. <laughs> uh, you are a black artist. And some of, the, some of the work that you do touches on that subject, but a lot of it doesn't also. My concern was with being a kind of spokesperson because there you, I, go. you know, I do one thing and like, my work is different and how I think about the work and how I live in the art world and relate or don't relate to people is very different from other, you know, African-American artists. I, I never want to like claim to speak for only you know anyone except myself. 
but at the same time, I also like feel like people need to be called out, you know, and I think it's interesting to hear as ever a kind of like, well, you know, the other side, uh, well, actually, maybe it is this or maybe it's in fact this other reason for the it's not like for what? What do you mean? For, you know, for the lack of number for lack of numbers shows, of, you know, of, of artists of color that it's, you know, it has to do with finding artists and, and whatever reason uh, or you know, you're a gallery that... Or there's just like a shit ton of white people in the yeah. arts and the, the the limitation of like how many... Well, the excuses for exclusion, I find like more egregious. Like the number one being like, I we just can't find any artists. Like Really? Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, or, you know, it has to do with also, I think, the kind of work you're showing. I mean, I get like, you visit Yale or something like that and there are African-American painters working in a sort of mode that is more about identity you know and you're a gallery that mostly shows abstraction you know i, How are you I understand the program. Like, yeah right. you shouldn't like force your program you know but like, also yeah we we discussed this a little bit like i i know galleries are conscious of what their roster looks like yeah you don't think so i i do but i i'm also just like i don't I'm not seeing anything change. Well, it, I'm not it just, saying it all they feels like I'm not saying talk. they address the issue. Right. I'm saying they're conscious of it and when they're pulling, pulling new artists into the roster sometimes they are conscious in a way. I don't, I, I don't think it's a necessarily always healthy either because yeah. but this isn't I don't think this is actually like happening. Like I don't I can't think of any I can think of like on one hand the number of galleries that have I mean I'm aside from like Charles Gaines and like these very established, well, established you know old school. Like there, there are those exceptions, of course. But they've but worked like, very, very hard to get yeah. into that position too. So it's, it's like the numbers just aren't there. Like this thing, it's just not happening. Like it's not, you go into contemporary art daily. Every it's show is like another white. Yeah. Like yeah. I, Stan Douglas was like the only show I think this week by a black person. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And that's contemporary. Daily. Then you have a show like, on the one hand that doesn't matter. Like contemporary daily is one website, but it does matter. You know, people look at that. You have a show up at Lace. Sure. Currently. Right. So it's important to note that you are one of the few people in LA right now, a person of color who has a exhibition up in the city. It's, it's true. Yeah. I did. I had this thing actually, um, post, it's going to go back a little bit in time on um, recent police shootings in uh, Minneapolis and I'm totally blanking on a uh, Baton Rouge, you know, a lot of seeing a lot of friends post, you know, Black Lives Matter, like totally like blacking out their Instagram White friends, posts uh, across everybody. the board, everybody yeah. in that moment. But, uh, you know, especially from my, you know, other African-Americans, you know, non-African-Americans that I consider sort of more woke or more conscious, you know, a few words about the situation, uh, some reflection about what's been happening, so on and so forth. People forwarding and posting think pieces on Facebook. Right. There was this, this whole thing. And this kind of like preaching to the choir thing that happens on Facebook, you know. Because your friends um, are already going to be liberal on that thing anyway. You're not dealing yeah. with. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. space. Like I've gotten my hands on articles that I wouldn't have otherwise known about thanks to that. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but, um, you know, within that, within that space, I just felt no real need to also Also vocalize. In, yeah. um, and, and also because I think I have a few friends who are academics who can really very actually eloquently speak to these, these situations and, and like have numbers. And, and well, this is how I've always felt so about so it though, for myself. I, I want to participate in that conversation or have 
I do the same thing with social media, but I always feel like I'm not informed enough. It's like I have friends who can better articulate what needs to be said about that. And then when there's something like it's egregious, then I will happen to put something up or show or share. I don't, I want to be cautious about how I approach it. And that's just me because I don't want to misinterpret something that I don't fully understand. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's default, like to let those academic friends of yours, like is probably a good impulse. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's, I don't want to like, talk smack but there are just some artist friends that I'm, i mean there's that old like dave Chappelle thing he, he's like talking about celebrities weighing in on like 9-11 it's yes. like i don't care what ja rule like thinks about you know what i'm saying it's like the same thing i don't care what i'm not going to name an artist uh who, you know but an artist yeah, whose I work i love yeah, but yeah. like I, it's like what like we had this you know. leads us well it leads me into we had a really nice conversation a while ago before you left la and the reason you right. left la you went to new york for Ah, yes. Uh, so the past year, I've been um, an artist in residence at the Studio Museum in Harlem. It's um, pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it is amazing. It's been a, it's almost over. Um, it's not done yet? No, no. Um, I still have like six more weeks. How the hell did they it. let you get away for so long? Well, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. This isn't summer break, dude. <laughs> well, it's funny. I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but whatever. But it's not like they're going to sue me or something but you you sign a contract at the beginning oh you do and there are certain things that i won't totally get into it like that makes sense that like well this is they, inter- they, no they, get they, into it like tell me what why well no i mean yeah i i just i guess i wouldn't be getting myself or them in I, trouble I, but like for for instance they have an acquisitions committee right yeah so at the end of the residency they will typically acquire you know one a piece. work yeah Right. So, so they want first dibs. They don't want you to, when you do the show and when you're wrapping up the residency for you to that do your sense. gallery. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. So they're, you know, stuff like that. It's like totally That reasonable. totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But also in that is a note that you must be in, you know, you must work at least 20 hours a week in your studio, which I don't know if back in the day there was somebody who just wasn't showing up to the That's studio. That's exactly what it was, by the way. But Are they- <laughs> But like what artists is, I mean, I guess they're like, you know, what artists is in the studio for, I think it's a generalized rule because some artists like sometimes I won't be in the studio for two weeks, but, but then I'm in there for like a solid month and I'm like, right. Dead. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's it's a flexible, right. As long as you're making the work and you're getting it done and it's done well, I bet there has to, I want to know the artists that really fucked that up and didn't go. Right. It was probably, we don't know who they are. I would guess we probably don't know who they are because they suck. I mean, or it's somebody that just kind of doesn't care. Uh, and, and you could see maybe like a lot of ideas happening outside of the studio, like David Hammonds. I could see him just like not showing up and just he's just like off taking walks. Well, it's generating, you know, some of the most amazing work of it's know, like the past I've, 50 years. I've never done but a, not in the studio. Right. I've never done a residency <clears throat> for, for one. I've always had a job and sure. I could never not have a job. And for me to bounce around, I'm just not built that way where I can think about not having a job. I need one. Right. Family issues too, right? So paying bills and all that jazz. But uh, I can't, when I travel, and I travel for extended periods of time now, I can't make work when I'm gone. I can only make work when I come back and reflect on the things that have happened to me during the travel. And then I'll make some pretty amazing work for myself, like what I think is pretty good. But you don't like sketch or like anything? You know, I just was on a trip to Europe and I felt like for the first time years i think i posted this on like social media i was like i felt sketching for the first time in probably mm-hmm. 15 years and i used mm-hmm. to be a, 
a painter. Sure. And I love drafting and drawing. I, I miss it. And I still didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I write down, I write, write down notes. Right. Just on, but only if they're really specific. If it's a generalized thought, then I'll just keep thinking about it during the entire trip and sort of adjust my thoughts sure. and, and deal with how I'm going to approach the work internally. Mm-hmm. And then when I come back and I can sort of process it and deal with it. But it's how everything else in the studio works too. I really don't know what I'm doing until like four months after I've already made the piece. And then I'm like, right. you know, you get done, you're like, oh shit, that was totally in reaction to. So it's easier for me to let things flow and sort of happen that way mm-hmm. than it is to try to force myself into a, a mode of making. Right, right. I'm all, yeah, it's funny when people like ask you to talk, like at openings or something, your opening, to talk about the work. I'm still processing. Process, yeah, it's going to take oh, me good. a couple of weeks. I'm glad you feel that way. Because Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, you just yeah. don't know. Right. Some, I mean, not everybody. Sometimes you have a very distinct reasoning for putting something together or why you're putting it together or what. I mean, otherwise we yeah. wouldn't display the work in the way we do or install it. And you do installations with video. Right, and for specific. Yeah, yeah. so you yeah. Have, you're very intentional about yeah. what you're doing in a lot of those things. Right. That's specific. But what happens in the side effects off of that are yeah. they, they can flux, right? Totally. And connections that you, know, you didn't realize you were making that don't emerge until you're installing. And I mean, this is why I love the relationship uh, with you know, curators um, and, and that space of conversation. Um, and, and just in this, you know, the week of install or whatever, like talking about the work and insights that that curator brings, that things that you didn't realize that you were connecting. Um, I love that, you know. Well, that's why you have people in the studio sometimes too. True. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to filter that a little bit more than at least the individuals you bring into the studio. Yeah, I mean, I tend to not have... Did you have a lot of people in the Studio Museum show? By the way, we still haven't talked about what I wanted to talk about. I, we're right. still talking about Studio Museum. Did you have a lot of people come through? You mean um, like fellow artists or uh, curator? Well, I would assume types? the institution set up a lot of curatorial stuff and like that type of thing and supporters of the they, institution. They they set up a few, th- but they're actually a little reluctant to do that. I think in years past they've Why? been... Well, I think in years past they've they've pushed more for that and then artists were kind of complaining like this is too... Too much. This is too much. And in fact, one that they asked us about, are you sure you guys want to do this? Like I remember, like I've Asked never been, what? if, if, uh, if, so they were bringing in this group of curators, uh, like independent curators. It was almost not a club kind of situation, but it was just this group of curators and it seemed like they were going to the studio museum and then they, I probably went to like Smack Mellon, which is another yeah. residency in New York, uh, Whitney ISP, you know? Yeah. It was super irritating for me specifically in that moment because I make a lot of different things and the idea was what they were going to come in uh, and we would have like 15 minutes, which is absurd. Fuck that. Yeah. I was just like, like, that is the worst. No. So after that, I was just like, I'm not doing this again. Like if y'all, you know what I'm saying? And they, they brought in other people like that. And I was just like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not like, 15 I'll do minutes. a studio visit for, for other artists. I think that's not a problem. I mean, I think especially for, well, I wouldn't say both of the, other people in my my cohort, uh, E.J. Hill and Jordan Castile, but definitely for like Jordan, who's a, an amazing amazing painter, you can describe that you know fairly. They can fairly come in quickly. and just look at it. Yeah, but yeah, I, exactly. I couldn't even. I can't show video. The you know the kind of video I make for the most part in my studio even because it's like six projectors and you know some wall that I've had built and 
we you all and this I, other stuff. You came yeah. into the studio right before here, and I hadn't seen you in a while, so we were just talking about my stuff, and we were talking about a freaking gestural drawing, and it took 15 minutes, 20 yeah, minutes. You absolutely. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you, how are you supposed to have that conversation in right. an intelligent way that frames your work in a way that a curator, nonetheless, is going to want to like work with you in the future? Right. And I mean, ultimately, that's what that's for. Yeah, and if you, on the other side, you know, really care, how, how can you process and understand this yeah. thing? Like, what's the point of even, like, talking about it? Yeah, if, like, if you, and, and if, also, I feel like this, if the curator <clears throat> or whoever else is coming in doesn't have the time to have an, a genuine conversation with me, right. then you know what? I don't have the time to talk to you. Just yeah. screw that. I mean, this is, it's sort of the nature of that sort of thing. When they get those groups together? Yeah, and, the, you know, like. The other thing I try not to do is do groups of people in the studio. It's never a good, or usually not a good idea, I think. Yeah. And I'm just better, I'm better one-on-one also. Two is okay, I think. Depends you know? on what it is. I think some, yes, three is a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, do? you know what it is? I find that you can't have a genuine conversation where you're having a reactionary conversation where I'm like, hey, ABC, and they're like, yes, oh, I get that, and this is why. What it turns into is like one of those people saying something and the other two going, yes, yes, that is how I see that. Mm, and you're like, right. son of a bitch. No, that person isn't leading this conversation. This is a right. group conversation. Right. There's always somebody who's passive. I would say that the, so the visits this year, um, the one-on-one visits, some of which they, they set up, um, but a lot of you uh, did it them yourself. were they, no, people reaching out to me. I didn't, I, so I've been on this kind of whirlwind, like couple, like since grad school, um, and there are a lot of sort of things that I'm frustrated about that we can talk about <laughs> that relate to race and other stuff. But then a lot of amazing things have happened. Well, and just grad school, period. Let's talk about, this leads us into, or was like a while ago back in the conversation. You and right. I had a really nice conversation. I called you up and I was like, dude, I'm dealing with these issues in the work. Mm-hmm. Can I talk to you about it? And let's go get a beer. Because I don't have very many friends in the art world who can address this issue with me, that being you're a black artist. Sure. And the issue that was coming up with my work or that I thought I needed to just at least pay attention to or conscious of was I didn't want them to be derivative of African sculptures. Right. And you were worried about, a, yeah, you know, cultural appropriation. I was completely worried about cultural appropriation and the, the long history of cultural appropriation by modernist white male artists. Sure. And I'm, I'm working in, on work that looks modernist. I, I pull out objects that can resonate of being of that type too. So like, I just wanted to go into it and I was going to go, I had a meeting and I, I did it. I had a meeting set up with the head curator of the African, African art department at the Brooklyn Museum. Right. And they have one of the, lar- they have the largest collection in the country. Oh yeah. No, no, I used, it's amazing. I used to it's, work there. Yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, my, my wife worked there too. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great place to work. It's a great yeah. place. That collection is amazing, yeah, too. It it's to unbelievable. And I had a really nice conversation with him. He invited me <clears> back to look at any of the works I ever wanted to, <clears> to, to, to research more. But my question was, how do I deal with this, Khalil? You had a reaction that was, it set me at ease and let me approach it in a way. And you said, just be honest about it. Yeah. And like, don't go, go into it with open eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I remember... It was kind of one of those things like when you, when we were having the, con- I mean, right at the start of the conversation where I was like, oh yeah, actually now I see more of this influence in the work. Whereas it's not like I didn't see it, but 
it wasn't like as sort of on the you know it's, pro- it's not super pronounced yeah yeah, yeah. so th- so that is like it never struck me as being like egregious or obnoxious just rather like you in a non-exploitative way like drawing from a, a number of histories and and you know just you're being conscious of it because i think the the problem is like i mean there's a number of problems with cultural appropriation but that maybe the number one problem is like people don't give a shit you know at the end of the right. day you know no what I'm absolutely like, right so to you know like what and i think you deserve a bunch of credit for it, but you know what i'm saying but like to to even be aware enough no, to ask and that's, that, that's the thing to be aware like and to reach out you know like that's that's just doing the work i mean it's it's touchy i i don't like well and this is how i felt about it too because me obviously i'm white so right it, it just it was a it's a touchy subject for me to even it just feels awkward you know sure. and like this weird way where it's not there's nothing intentional going on but you want to be conscious of it because there's a long history of these things happening right and thus, after the conversation we had had, everything's fine. And in fact, I'm more comfortable in the work now and making the work that I'm doing because I, frankly, I don't pay attention to how the work's going together. But if something strikes me after it's done that is is a problem, then I just address it. Right. I was going to say that um, that sort of act of asking of like, you know, the you're at your, your uh, this, I know most people listening to this podcast are artists or are adjacent, but you know to use the office job, like, you know, you're at the, you're at your office job and you know, there's the one black person and you want to know, like, know, is, this, right? is this okay? <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't like ask at the meeting. You know what I'm saying? Do what, do what you did. Hey, like, let's get a drink. Let me buy you a drink. I want to ask you because people of color, black people, brown people don't want, like, you need to do the work, you know? And like, you're reaching out was doing the work, you know, as opposed to like on the spot or, in a social media context at like, like I'm not here to, not you, but I'm not here to explain this to you. Well, this is like what what you said at the beginning. You don't want to be a gatekeeper for the community in a certain way with your own work, but also Mm -hmm. you don't want to be, I didn't just ask for approval to do something and now it's totally okay for me to go do these things. No, it was just about this conversation. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's how I, that's how I felt about it at the same time too. Yeah. I mean, conversation is good. Like just don't. Just artists in general having conversation. I think that a lot of people are afraid to have that conversation or just even broach the subject because it's, it's touchy. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, I mean, you're talking about a more general thing, but you know, I always just go back to this, like it's touchy and like, it's hard for you to talk about, but just think about how hard it is for black and brown folk. And we can talk about women living these experiences. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to talk about, but like I've been living this, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So let's go, let's talk about, we briefly talked about it before the show started, but this idea of like coming out of graduate school mm-hmm. and the opportunities or the lack of opportunities that exist and having right. to work your ass off. And I said, we had a very <clears throat> honest conversation about this. I was like, you know, I graduated in 07. I've been working my ass off for a very long time. Sure. But the difference between me as a white guy working my ass off and you as a black man working your ass off are different. Right. So do you walk into a situation or at least when you're dealing with people and think about if you're not afforded an opportunity or how you're dealing with these opportunities, like explain or walk me through where you're at in some of these. Well, I mean, it's, it's a little different now. Like it's, it's changing now, but um, now when, like in the last two years, in the last year, in the last like six months. Oh, uh, that's soon. Yeah. Uh, or the last year. I mean, kind of, do you think that though, because you were, 
maybe it's because you've been in New York and you've been in a, a studio program that's fairly prestigious. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, certainly that's, that's helped. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so maybe yeah. it's not like culturally changing, but it's changing for you specifically. Yeah, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's one thing. Sort of the current moment is like interesting. That's another discussion. Like being, being an artist in this kind of spot where you're like, you know, uh, not to get too like into the business or something like that, but like where you don't have a gallery yet, but you're in all these shows, where you're having to do the work that a gallery would do. For, you know, I get I still asked to, well, no, absolutely, of course. Like, it, you know, even if you have, you have several galleries, you still do a lot of this work yourself. You know, most artists I know don't have an assistant, but I think it's still a little easier. Like I get requests from institutions, like an institution just contacted me uh, about a group show. Like they wanted like a kind of press packet just to see like some stuff. And then <laughs> this, and like, that wouldn't be a thing for a guy, you know, like put it together. Yeah. yeah just, they, they would just have that. Yeah. And you would be like, Oh, Hey, can, you know, whatever uh, your gallery's name, can you, can you forward that to me? Or can you just give me that file? And, you know, but that's another discussion like that sort of the frustrating moment of that, where it's like, where people see your name in shows and things are happening, but like, and I think specific to my work, like you're not making any money from that. My, my being in like 80 shows, like I don't make money from these, you know what I'm saying? In fact, like, it costs you money. Yeah, indeed, exactly. It costs exactly. you money to be in all those shows. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and I'm, I mean, in some ways lucky, I don't mean to like complain there are like maybe some sculptors who will hear this and be like, what, like you didn't, that's nothing, but. That's me, I'm sitting here judging yeah, you exactly. right now. <laughs> I'm looking around at all these expensive materials, but that's, that's another, that's another thing. But like, as for, I'm still, I'm still like torn about how to talk about this. Well, and this is part of the conversation we had before the show started. You were like, I yeah. don't know. I always start the show and I ask people, what don't you want to talk about? Right. And it was exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> but it's like, I do, it's like, I you do, do want to talk, talk about, about it. it. Cause I, I walk around with often and when I'm in LA, it's such a weird experience. Because LA compared to New York is is cliche, but it's the truth. It's just mellower. So I walk around and I come to LA and I feel so much more relaxed than when I am in New York. But I'm so much like more filled with rage at like the art world. And there are problems in New York, and you know because of lack of diversity. Would, yeah, yeah, and the things that I would change and et cetera, et cetera. But like it's it's different. It's it's. Do you it's, think that? Yeah. Do you think part of that though is a numbers? thing as well too because there, there's many many more mm. galleries in new york uh yeah i think yes and no i mean if you I were to look at the percentages you think the percentages would still show new york highly favoring showing people of color and not the same person over and over yeah but I also but my response to that like it's it's a numbers thing is like at the same time la is there's so much sort of potential like i would be terrified to open up a gallery in new york right now because like there's there's just not generally speaking because there's just like this established thing right i mean you can do this but you kind of can't go in like all willy-nilly like i'm gonna you can do that in la yeah you couldn't i mean maybe this is a bad example but like night gallery like i'm gonna open up a, this gallery in chelsea and it's only gonna be open at you know 10 PM right when they originally started <laughs> like that in la just is like yeah that's yeah totally like, sure, do let's it. go like that sounds awesome and everybody will go yeah and that the early night gallery like that was just it was so fun going to those openings i mean whatever their openings now are fun too but way to way to patch over that right good job <laughs> um, I, 
the but the I don't know. I mean, I guess like here you can get away with with more. So I'm kind of disappointed at these gout. Take more risks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, wh- I totally like, get. What you. do you like? You're, it's just it's you, just the same thing. Like it's just another small space. You are allowed perpetuating the same thing. You're allowed a certain amount of freedom out here that you don't get anywhere else in the world. So if yeah. you're not taking advantage of it, shame on you. It's tough because if you have a mission and you're wanting to show very specific kinds of work and there are, cause the, the number one excuse I hear from curators, gallerists is like, we can't find people. There's not enough people. People of or, color. A, yeah. Or like we found some, but they're just de- making work that deals with identity. That's about blackness or brownness. And or they don't whatever. want that. They want like an abstract painting. Yeah, they want something yeah, like what we talked about earlier. General, yeah, which is crazy though because I mean it's one thing if a gallery is showing like mostly abstraction, like they just don't deal in the figurative, but this idea of like work that is about identity, where How can a, a black or brown body is is front and center, that's like about identity, uh, and often it is like in you know in the, the the mission of the work that that's in the project of the work, it's about identity. At the same time, it's also just depiction. It's well, self-portraiture, is- et cetera. So, so like, how do you then say that's about identity and then you have some, like, figurative Alice Neal, you know what I'm saying? And that's, 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 that's the norm. So this, this is the problem, this idea of norms, that that's, that's the norm and everything else is about identity. Well, it's about, do you, think, you know what I'm saying? But, th- I mean, this is... And I love Alice of, Neal, by the way, just to be... All of my work is about identity. Here. Sure. And I think that work that... I think that work doesn't address issues that you know and you're aware of and that you're very familiar with. Number one being you rings right. hollow. Right. I think it, it always rings hollow. And if you can't address the issues that are affecting you or who you are as a person and why you're making the work you're making, and this isn't, it doesn't have to be political in nature because mm-hmm. mine definitely isn't. But if, if, a, if a black man or a black woman is making a piece and it's about their lives, right. then what the fuck? It just, it's an honest piece of work sometimes. It's right. not necessarily trying to be political in any sense. I mean, sometimes it often is, mm-hmm. but if it's not, it's just about who they are. So it, it, that's an easy out for a curator to say that. I still hear that. Like, and it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then the other one is just a general, like, but there's not enough people, you know? And when you go, I mean, I was the only, well, male or female black person at USC at the time. So, you, you know, you go around to these prestigious schools it's funny. I feel like Yale has like it's like popping. Like there's like there's a lot of people a lot of color. black yeah. Black, uh, compared black specific to, or what? Well, I just know a lot of like there's a connection to the studio museum. There's like always one. Oh, there one. is. I mean, not formally, but there's seemingly always like one Yale person there. But okay, and, so yeah. is this a now? Here's here's another. We talked about this too. Then you come into issues of privilege. Right, right. So right. this necessarily isn't like winner. Okay, so that's great. You have a person of color in there, but that fucking person went to Yale. God damn it! They're right. not coming out of what other random. They're not coming out of Pratt. Sure. Do you know what the fuck's up with that? Right. Are you only afforded opportunity if you're black? If you're coming from a fucking place of privilege, it helps. I mean, being in and around the Studio Museum this year and the sort of like collector black intelligentsia zone collectors and just going to like the studio museum gala in the fall was like wow like and coming from LA where you like I said like I'm often the only black person showing like just you know we talked about that before we went on the air 
until Candace Williams put up this show recently. Like I was the only black person. In LA, you mean? In LA show, you know, in the world, no. Well, let alone, I was thinking, I was thinking in terms of even like group shows. Which is another thing that I, I was like, I kind of want to talk about that. What? <laughs> group shows. And the LA, like, I mean, this happens in New York too, but like, not at all critical group show. Ten of my friends. <laughs> I mean, can we talk about that? Like, yeah. really? There's well, a ga- and there's a gallery, well, and I've been in, and I've been in a show there, so I don't really want to talk smack. I'm gonna about go it, through your fucking CV and find out who. <laughs> every show is a group show, and like they're really good group shows. But come on, really, take come the on. time to put together a good show of an individual artist. And I really, I'm gonna pitch a show. I'm not gonna tell you. You're just gonna see a show at this gallery that is people I don't know. That's well, okay, be the whole but premise. Here, that's here, a dumb premise. Here's the problem. But. Here's the problem. <laughs> that should be the title of the fucking show. People I don't know. No new friends. The no. the problem with this is people don't want to do the research to find out. And you see this with curators all the time too. And they it's we we talked about this. They'll right. they'll oh hey, so and so just got a transgender artist and a black artist and da 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 da. There's my transgender transgender artist for the show. There's my black Ooh. artist. Like you're gonna cherry pick those things because it's easy. They, right. de- they don't have to spend the time. And often it is, I think it is, it's what we were talking about earlier. It is difficult to have those conversations and to mm-hmm. do the research. And sometimes it's walking on like eggshells to figure out right. where your place is in it. And if you aren't fully informed and you really don't take the time to educate well, yourself. It's like, I understand that, that fear and, and the sort of the tension of walking that line. But at the same time, I mean, it's lazy and like, I, it's funny, I was like talking shit about Contemporary Daily, but I like one of my favorite things is going like going on this kind of Internet tangents where, you know, Contemporary Daily, seeing some European artist you've never heard of showing in some space you never heard of leads to like that gallery's website, which leads to you discovering five it's, other artists that you've never heard of. It's the fucking rabbit hole, right? You know it's what I'm saying? amazing. Like, so yeah. like you're a cur- and I'm an artist, you know, it's and like not that hard, but it's not that hard, but also, don't you want to be doing that? Like, isn't that exciting to be right, discovering right. new artists to like, like, I don't understand. Like, that's crazy to me. Black, white, whatever. Yeah. Like, we're not exactly. Talking. This isn't saying. a color issue. This is like a general. It's like, fuck laziness. A issue. laziness yeah. issue. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand that because just, just like as a pleasurable thing intellectual activity like, <laughs> like what the I'm fuck not are you even doing a all curator day? you know what I'm yeah, exactly what are you, what are you doing, doing all, all day? day you know <laughs> i want to i want to talk about your poetry okay do you want to talk about that yeah yeah no absolutely you're um, still writing you had a book come out last year yeah sleeper sleeper hold sleeper hold came out in spring 2015 uh from fence books uh shout out to rebecca wolf yeah i've been working with fence uh since since grad school but you know they so uh, but yeah. you Let's go back. Grad school the first time. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back. You went to Brown. Yeah. So I did. Well, you go. You can go back. Can we go further. back to Bard? Yeah. So I went to Bard. Two thousand three. Um, you graduated. Graduated in Um I was basically I was a photo major, but I was I was basically a photo lit double major. Um, I didn't formally do. I didn't do a senior project. Wait, is this how you knew literature. Lucas Blaylock? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the photo program, yeah, we maybe we, we start you there. and I were introduced to each other through Lucas Blaylock. Through Lucas, yeah, yeah. Lucas was a year above me. Yeah, we met through Lucas. Came up in the Bard photo program, which is a notoriously competitive one. Uh, Stephen Shore uh, was my advisor, uh, mentor, uh, someone I still look to, not formally for. Um, now it's actually we we follow each other on Instagram. 
And um, Stephen Shore's Instagram is amazing. It's really fucking it's good. It's like, it's really like inspiring to see. Like this, He can take this, a normal yeah. shot with the fucking phone and like a random place and it just is a sort of a gem. Totally. Same with his totally. work, but like yeah, it takes yeah. a very mundane situation and turns it into a compositional class. Yeah. And this, and this uh, the constant kind of engagement with photographic seeing is like inspiring, you know, yeah. that he's thinking about these things and, and is not like anti-technology, you know, no, in, no, in some way that you might right. expect someone who would like M- many people are. is famously, you know, using an eight by 10 back in the day. But anyway, um, so yeah, I came up in the bar photo program. Um, but at the same time I was doing, uh, literature and poetry, and I studied with John Ashbery and uh, and Anne Lauterbach, who was kind of like Stephen and Anne Lauterbach are my two, you know, mentors, my parents, surrogate parents. Uh, but I went immediately into an MFA in writing at Brown. It was a free program. In that case, I applied to two schools, only two, uh, Brown and UMass, uh, which is also free. And I stopped kind of making photographs for like the first year, basically. And that had to do with doing a senior project, you know, a year before that. Um, and, you know, this is, as I mentioned, Bard's photo program is pretty serious. So, I mean, my show had like 30 prints. It's like a huge undertaking, um, mounting them. and um, Expensive as well. And expensive, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I went to Brown and, and just stopped for like a while. And I was so just why did you why did you decide to go to Brown? Well, I wanted to sort of more seriously engage... Um, with writing. And then also uh, I was thinking kind of practically that I would need to teach to support myself. Art was, it was, it was kind of like I could go to art school and like go but that what route. what were you going to do for but, money? Did you go to Brown uh, in a practical sense thinking that that would be more of a way to earn a living? As a, as a poetry professor. Yeah. 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 And, that, but nothing else, like that's all you can do with that degree. But a Brown, <laughs> I mean a Brown degree uh, in poetry, you know, that's. Don't sell I yourself could, short, man. You could be like the poet laureate. I could never be the poet laureate because that is it's it's such a like the the most mainstream poetry you know and I'm writing like pretty, is it see I don't know anything about oh yeah it's like Billy Collins like it's it's you know the the poetry your our parents and there's been some good poet like Rita Dove um and I'm blanking on some others but yeah I mean I poetry like the biggest thing for me about that time was actually rediscovering photography. Um, when you were at Brown? Yeah. And, and not rediscovering photography, a better way of putting it is rather discovering projection. So, which is what you're doing now. Right. So about a year into that program, I started becoming interested in making something else. I didn't know what yet, if it was going to be like performance or what, and it ended up being like, I remember in this final project, uh, in this class I took with this, this writer, an artist, Talia Field, who's really interesting, kind of interdisciplinary maker, that I, I basically did this installation. And I did, at the time, you know, I was like 22, didn't know what this was, you know. And I'd seen, it sounds like silly now, because installation is just so, like, whatever. But 2002, it's not, Who's you know, in museums, it, it wasn't, right. like, so prominent. So, but you know, I say all that to say that I didn't really know how to, like, Call, and I didn't know what to call that, what I was doing, but it was just, I made this room that had different sort of like a monitor here, drawings on the wall. And then I might be conflating two different things I did for the class, <laughs> but like this performance aspect of it. Roll with it, dude. So yeah, no one's going to know if I'm, if I'm mixing up two things. At the same time, I was like, 
I want to make photographs again, but I don't want to take a class at RISD. And that was the only way to get access to a darkroom. But me being a barred photo snob, I was like, were I'm you not shooting a four by five or eight by ten? What were we doing? No, I um, so I never, I never owned a four by five. I used the departments, and so I had, uh, I was shooting, I guess, just my, um, I had like a Rolleiflex six by six. Yeah, yeah. I uh, started with that camera, but no, but sorry, I so that first year though, I didn't like shoot at all, at all. And then this idea to shoot slides came about. It wasn't even my camera. I borrowed a classmate's 35 millimeter because I never owned a 35 millimeter. Like I jumped with in photo Dire- directly to medium large exactly, format. and then went into four by five. So this is all boring tech talk, but um, yeah, I borrowed this friend's 35 millimeter and started shooting slides. And it was just a kind of practical thing. Like th- here's the thing that I can shoot, take the film to be processed, and that's the end of it. And I, you know. I, I can, I was thinking, and I was thinking about the work then, not even as work, but just sort of something else, a, a space in which to think. Um, but then as I started making work for this particular class, which was an interdisciplinary kind of writing, art making course that I, I talked about before, I just was like, I, this is, now is the time to, to really experiment with this and, and do something with this, like to make up an actual project. I actually don't even remember what a lot of those first pictures were of, but it, I say all this to say that this very quickly, like, you know, expanded into this interest in projection that for until recently, until like two years ago, I mean, I was barely making like prints, you know, because that just became the space in which to to make things. Um, But out of this very practical kind of time of like, I don't have a dark room, you know. So what do you shoot with now? So now I shoot with uh, actually just use a digital like camera right. uh, with you know the x i can shoot photographs and video are you projecting or are you with the like a, a projector projector or are you doing video recently i've just been mainly doing video um this recent show at lace actually though had it was like for the first time in i think since made in la that i've made a piece with slides um i made this new piece sort of about donald trump but not really that is is it's just slides there's slides though that i've made so when i was first shooting slides i was i was shooting slide film and there were, you know, 2000, this is like 2004. Yeah. So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're reintroduced, you go to Brown. Right. You're going for literature. Right. You thought you were going to do this one thing, but it turned back into this love of Well, art. yeah, I shouldn't, sorry. A better way of putting it is that at the same time that I was doing a lot of like more careerist stuff for poetry, sending my work out to literary magazines, I didn't, I didn't have my publisher yet, but I had already interned for them. So I'd like set that. It was already in motion. You know, stuff stuff was like, was happening. And then at the same time, like, I just started making art again. It was, it wasn't that it was like supplementing. It, it, it was like, it was its own thing, but it was much less time spent on that. So you, you still currently write. Yes. It is, it's sort of, it's an, it's another extension of your practice. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, I mean, I, th- I think at the time, these things were very separate. And now they're, they're a little. N- you did a performance at Blum and Poe. Right. Was that your own poetry? Yes. I, I've i only done, I think, a one project where I've used someone Somebody else's, else's text. Yeah, and that's a video I made that um, is an adaptation of this Claudia Rankin, a section of Citizen, well, like the last bit. So, like, it's when people ask me that, and I'm like, it's, I always, I always. Well, I saw the, the I saw the Blum and Poe. Right. Really good. Thank you. It's easy to say that with somebody sitting across from me. <laughs> I was struck by, and I've heard a lot of people say, like, you are a very good poet. 
So it's interesting, and I don't know poetry incredibly well, so it's interesting to go into something and know. I think it's a lot like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, I think it's a lot like going in and viewing a show at a gallery mm-hmm. and knowing whether or not the show works. Right. And if, if it's good or not good based on how it's put together, I, I got a sense from like watching your piece and other pieces I've seen. Sure. Yeah, you I may listen, not know. I may not know the yeah. details of why right. it strikes me as being as good as it is, but it, it felt really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really proud of that piece, especially to connect back to what we were talking about um, at the beginning. Like that's kind of the first artwork I've made that really explicitly deals with race. That one is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There have been like in every every piece, there's something you know. You did the the exhibition at Mars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. But in a slighter way. Yeah. Well, you know, I had the um the piece based on Citizen, but yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a good example. Like, I specifically chose for people that don't know, uh, Claudia Rankine's Citizen is a book that came out in 2015. Um, you should go like after you listen to this podcast. And, I haven't like, read buy it. it. Yeah, you should go buy it right now. It's it's incre- It's one of the most like important books of our time. Um, Why? Um, she it's, it's well, I mean, for because it's just great literature, um, but also it's very timely. It it came out I think right before Michael Brown. I'm mixing up my timeline. I'm totally it's okay. wrong about that. But you know there were these as it's been happening. For a long time, but especially in the past couple of years, uh, these these incidents with the police, these very you know people dying, uh, and and Claudia's project was more about uh, microaggressions, which has kind of become this buzzword or something, Buzzfeed article, top ten microaggressions, which is not really a thing. That would be funny though. Um, but <laughs> but but the uh, <laughs> but microaggressions are uh, for those who don't know are sort of like less vicious slights. Like it's not like going up to, you know, a bunch of black people and calling them lazy or whatever, like, you know, whatever slur. An example is like when I was going around buying stuff when I was going to college, my mom, you know, took, as every kid does, you you go to college, you buy sheets and stuff for your dorm room. Yeah. You know, your parents take you. So we're at like Sears, like getting something. I said, or my mom said, uh, you know, you, uh, oh, my son, you know, has just got a scholarship. Uh, and you know, he's, I don't have to pay anything to borrow. And this was all academic and I had some grants and stuff, but, um, this salesperson's assumption was that I had gotten an athletic scholarship because how could you get a, yeah. Cause like, that's the only way that like black folk, especially black men can get into college. So that's an, that's a microaggression. This woman was like smiling as she was saying it. She doesn't like, even realize she, she's saying it. Yeah. And like, I don't think that woman is like maliciously race you know what i'm saying it's so that that's a mic that's an example right right so so in 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 the book like claudia talks about um how serena williams for example is discussed by uh sports writers sports commentators um how they talk about her body and and the black body as a whole this you know but the last section of the book is it's much more sort of generally i don't know existential or something like that and so i adapted that in this video so it, it, it is about race. The, uh, there was another video in that show that was sort of about world star hip hop. It's a little more subtle than the mantra piece, the performance, which is like me talking about the police, you know. I feel in performance, though, you're able to get away with things differently than you are in like putting together a show at a gallery. 
and not mm. necessarily like you're allowed a certain freedom, but it definitely comes from you as a person right. and your expression of like how you feel about something. It's more easily interpreted by the viewer with you sitting there vocalizing it or performing sure. than it is the digestion of that content is more accessible mm-hmm. in that performance than it is if I was just to walk into a space and not right. be, not be involved in it. Sure. So I, I it came off well and it, it didn't come off as aggressive or like it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being spoken to in a way that made me, I didn't even need to be honest. The last thing I think about when I, I listen to that piece and I don't know is an issue of, of, I mean, of course it was about race, mm-hmm. but I think first, like, and we had talked about this before, why can't you just be a, a good artist and not just a good black artist? But I mean, it comes with the territory. The idea of that is like, it's a twofold thing. It's like, I want to be just known as a, as a great artist, but like, I'm proud to be black. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't, I don't ever want to be like, I'm, I don't want, I don't want to like, tamp down that idea well, no. and like and like i've maybe it's more that other people of color like if somebody said that it's when i'm as i am in all, you know a lot of these shows the only black person and again i have to become this kind of spokesperson and it's the same know, thing like, for not yeah. not the exact same but it's like women in the arts too you're a great yeah. female artist well no i'm a great yeah. fucking artist yeah but it's like but you still are addressing issues that directly affect and the content is sometimes addressing that issue as well too right but i guess my reluctance to be like to not to to say you know i don't want to be known as a great african like which i do want you know is is this idea of like the norm of what of the the standard right that uh we were kind of talking about before not recording the norm rather is like a white male artist right so my saying like i don't want to be known as an African-American artist is me in effect saying that in some ways, like that is not the norm. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's like, it's complicated because like, I don't want to be like being an African-American artist, being uh, you know, a Latino or whatever, being to on the one hand, like be proud of these, own your identity. Yeah. And make that part of the norm. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of articulating this. I understand what you're saying. I, it's, it's something that just like kind of struck me in this moment, you know? that sort of aspect of it. It's like this thing I often think about with certain behaviors that are projected on to women and people of color, right? The, the sort of, a, you know, angry black uh, woman or emotional woman or angry black man or something like that, that the only way to sort of normalize that is to not, that just to consider that behavior, you know what I'm saying? Right. And like we can, on the one hand, like knock the people saying, like calling those black women angry, but I guess I'm more interested in normalizing like that, that it's not angry black women behavior. That's just a black woman that's concerned and like is expressing herself. Well, that's just you know a person saying? who's concerned. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm interested. That's what I'm trying to say that like, how do we not normalize, but how do we like frame things in a way that doesn't isolate people that, uh, and I'm talking about like good liberal people, you know, like. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's like I said earlier, you're sick of talking, like think of how sick I am of living this bullshit, yeah. you know. So. Khalil, I know this was a really enriching conversation. Thank you for taking the time to come on the totally. show. My pleasure. We haven't caught up for so long, so 
it's been really good to just see you in general too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> likewise. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Talk this was fun. Yeah.